Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. As interest rates remain high and geopolitical conflicts escalate, markets and the economy are reverting back to the basics, offering new prospects for both savers and investors. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. All right, we're talking Fed policy in the markets today. So let's bring on David Jones, Fed watcher and chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver. And you got to check out his book, Understanding Central Banking. David, always great to have you on the Gaines podcast. Nice to be with you. The Fed has been a market dominator for well over a year. Inflation was getting out of control. They were faced with that they addressed it by policy. And I want you to start there. I, I think we have to go back basically to the Fed's huge mistake, probably the biggest mistake they've made in my entire career watching the Fed. Um, and that was, of course, calling inflation transitory when it first appeared. Um, that was a that was a mistake the Fed is still trying to make up for. Um there's always a danger that the Fed will try so hard to make up for that mistake that they end up uh, uh, risking too much restraint and uh, hurting the economy. But so far, we haven't seen any evidence of that. And I'll talk about that uh, significantly a little bit later on. But for now, at least two things are important. One is that Fed Chairman Powell is able to get most of the Fed policymakers on his side, um, which is uh, we're going to fight inflation until we see the whites of the eyes of uh, that long, elusive 2% inflation target. And uh, and right now, the Fed is pausing. Uh, it's got a funds rate target of five and a quarter to five and a half. Because I think the Fed sees a balance of risk between doing too much on the restraint side and doing too little. So for now, the Fed is pausing, but I think it's most likely that if they change again, it's still going to be up in rates rather than down. If the final goal was on a measuring stick and it was one through 10, where is the Fed on that measuring stick as far as tackling 
what it initially wanted to do? Probably eight. Oh, okay. maybe nine. Okay, so they're not um, they're, they're too get, too far. They're getting there okay. uh, in terms of dealing with inflation, but the circumstances always change. That's the plight of Federal Reserve policy when you go back in history. You know, you never know for sure what you're dealing with. And um, part of the theme I want to strike today is that we're entering a new world. Um, We can almost call it a wartime economy um, as we make the huge effort to supply war materials to both the Ukraine and Israel. Um, I think we're basically going to have a wartime footing with regard to uh, growth in the economy, old-fashioned wartime manufacturing, still a very strong jobs market, so that elusive recession which the market had been looking for for at least a week at least a year still is not here if you look at the gains podcast history first of all you know just picking up what david initially said we called the fed out two three years ago when they were saying inflation was transitory <laughs> we sure did we, we pounded on them yes yes and you could go back you know, two, three years and look at those early gains podcasts. So, so good call by you. And we looked past the BS back then and called them on that. And then they, they, they've tackled inflation. And as you mentioned, did a pretty good job and we're getting close, but then this was the latest thing. And you just brought this up. Um, and the Fed has just recently warned about this growing geopolitical risk I mean, we, as you mentioned, you have conflicts now in the Middle East and and the war in Ukraine. You know, they were kind of concerned about the financial system. But you made another really important point, too. You never bet against stock market and economies during wartime because generally, you know, they may run up a lot of debt and there may be some other factors. But a lot of times it's pedal to the metal production. So that's interesting. How do you think the Fed is going to navigate all this? And there are some concerns about the money that we're we're spending and that we'll be spending on these two um, conflicts, the Middle East and the Ukraine. So, I mean, how's that all tied together? $33.5 trillion deficit. Um, that is just a barn burner. It's uh, so high and dangerous. Uh, And it will grow based on this wartime spending, uh, at least in my view. Um, uh, I think the main effect from that is going to be the yield curve. We've had this negatively sloped yield curve. And as I taught in my many classes on the Fed, when the yield curve is negatively sloped, that means short-term yields are higher than long-term yields. It usually means a recession, but... um, this time, I think it's been different, and uh, and I think now we're going to see that big deficit pushing longer-term rates up and maybe bringing that yield curve back into a more normal condition. That 10-year Treasury security, for example, um, just 5%. You, you mentioned the yield curve. For a, a lot of economists, that's a big-time warning, not immediately, but of a potential recession. You said that the inversion of the yield curve may be a little different this time. Explain that in a little more detail. I'd be happy to. Um, 
One of the problems with that negatively sloped yield curve was, number one, that our $23 trillion Treasury security market has been sort of illiquid. Uh, Rates have been bouncing all over the place unusually. So what would happen is every time the market thought the Fed was going to pull back from its restraint, uh, long-term rates would drop sharply and uh, increase that negative slope in the yield curve. In fact, none of that happened. And in fact, the economy is still moving along well. And as I say, it's going to be on a wartime footing, which will give it even more strength, particularly in the labor market. So all things considered, um, I think that yield curve misled us with regard to when it was negative, uh, with regard to the possibility of a recession. And remember, the market was almost certain that the Fed would have to back down on interest rates quite soon and was wrong all the way through this process. Oh, as far as the market, as far as the market calling it, oh, the Fed or the Fed is going to once they pause, they're going to reverse course. A lot of folks on Wall Street were kind of maybe betting on that, huh? Exactly. And they got it exactly wrong again, because if we ask ourselves, what is the Fed going to do? In this world where we have a wartime footing, strong, very strong manufacturing production, a still very strong labor market, uh, higher wages, um, and and that will help keep inflation from coming down as much as it otherwise would have. Uh, what's what's the Fed going to do? They're going to keep rates high. They may not raise them a lot more. Uh, I'd leave room for maybe one or two rate hikes, but I I would emphasize more a longer period of, of keeping rates high and no cuts. Uh, that's going to be the story. For the GAINS listeners, hey, David's been watching and part of the Fed for years and years and years. Put some value on it because he's been watching this, uh, you know, how the Federal Reserve policy for, what, 40, 50 years now, right? Exactly. In fact, without bragging about it, I was one of the pioneers of Fed watching. Yeah, you were one of the very first people to really take note of Fed policy and how that would impact economies, financial markets, and you've actually done consulting for a lot of uh, companies and brokerage firms as well. Yeah, I made my name with Stuart Varney. Um, uh, I was on his show. Um, uh, back long, long, long ago, even before he went to Fox. And um, uh, and we had a show that lasted, uh, I don't know, almost a decade. Every Friday morning, I would comment on the Fed. And uh, it's amazing how many friends you make when people begin to uh, listen to you. And um, so I've been a Fed watcher for exactly, as you say, uh, I hate to admit it, maybe 40 or 50 years. You know, it doesn't appear that they're going to turn around and start uh, lowering rates like a lot of Wall Street said. And then you've now mentioned, too, that we're kind of in a wartime situation. So people take note here. David, how does this generally impact the stock market economy if the Fed keeps these rates here? We're kind of in this wartime production mode What's this mean for investors and the economy? So it's a positive, but I'm not sure how much of a positive. Um, 
if you keep inflation high and Fed keeps rates high, uh, the market, um, the stock market may have the potential, based on earnings and other criteria, to go up some. But I don't think it's any boom period. And the big news will be in how high long-term interest rates have to go up to help finance that huge $33.5 trillion Treasury deficit. You said it's not necessarily going to be this huge, robust boom for the economy, but it does kind of show you that probably not going to fall into a recession at this point, and and it's not gangbusters tech boom again. It's kind of more of a flatter market which, you know, investors and, and, and people have opportunities in that kind of situation as well. Yeah, and it's kind of old-fashioned when you compare it to the technology boom. Uh, you know, back to basic industrial production of wartime materials. What would we call that? Back to basics. And we're going to talk back to basics. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll talk back to basics with David when we get back. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. I've been told that's podcast gold. Totally appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gaines episode drops. We drop Gaines episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back with David Jones after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back with David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of a must-read book, Understanding Central Banking. All right. So we were talking, David, uh, as we were heading into break, back to the basics. Kind of explain what that might look like. Well, I think it's. Uh, from the point of view of the Fed, um, simply a situation where they uh, they have seen a significant reduction in the rate of inflation, but they're still quite a ways from that 2% inflation target the Fed would like to see. So that means they keep rates high, don't necessarily raise them much from here, but keep rates high in the short-term end of the market. But the tendency will be for long-term rates, and particularly that 10-year Treasury, to move higher in view of the deficit. Remember, we used to talk about the bond market vigilantes, and uh, I used to, in my lectures, talk about the fact that since we're the key reserve currency for the world, we can run deficits bigger than most countries, but there will be a moment when that deficit gets so big that the bond market vigilantes will jump in and push long-term rates higher. And not to try to sound too old-fashioned, I think we're sort of at that point with regard to the longer-term end of the Treasury market. So uh, we'll get that yield curve back into a normal upward-sloping condition. There's some good things here, too, when I look at that kind of situation. We're living in a world with higher rates. That's going to be really good for banks. 
it will also push investors into not being so risky. I see some really actually some almost normalization uh, here and just wanted to get your take on on some of the benefits. I mean, banks are going to be able to make money. Savers are going to get returns where before savers really were pushed to high risk to get any kind of yield. So I just kind of talk about that change and how, how, how this kind of scenario is different than we've seen in the past. And that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I think that's true. Uh, you summed it up perfectly. Um, and from the point of view of the individual, uh, paychecks will be decent, not spectacular, but decent. And that'll support consumer spending and will get more business investment in basic in the basic industrial side of the economy. Um, so once again, I hate to overuse the term, but it is a back to basics, old fashioned type economy, which is very much in contrast with what we've been through with the technology revolution. Tech has its run. And, uh, you know, and and again, some folks, especially the last couple of years, because of uh, low interest rates reaching for yield, that dynamic has changed. Big tech should probably still do well here because they've already got a, a, a foothold on their space. But what other areas of the market do well in this kind of situation? It seems like, you know, we, we, we did talk about banks a little bit, but, you know, industrial production, manufacturers, help me out here. What kind of areas of, of the economy do well in this kind of scenario? Well, I think that uh, fundamentally, fundamentally, we're looking at um, just overall industrial production, there there will be some uh, question marks. I'm starting to worry a little bit about the auto industry, for example. Uh, you know, this effort to shift to electronic cars, um, uh, the strike uh, in the auto industry, which is getting more severe. Um, there will be problems in some sectors of the economy, but if you want an old-fashioned industrial powered economy this is a good one and if and if perhaps we add the technology of ai to increase productivity we could really end up with a pretty good economic picture now we were talking about some headwinds as well and you were starting to touch on them auto and that is a big factor now because even if uh they get this strike worked out you're adding a lot to wages, which is going to add a lot to the cost of automobiles. And I've been told that, or, you know, we've been told by analysts, the company still can, you know, can still be profitable by even giving some huge wage increases. The other thing you touched on, which I I find really interesting is, at least from my perspective, uh, we just don't seem ready for electric cars. And that, push has kind of put auto industries that's a you know a whole segment of their business which, which is not profitable i could see the headwind there and we've talked about labor issues not even in auto but in other sectors how what other kind of headwinds are you concerned about here and and, and again the other two that, that we kind of opened up with is you still have the middle east and ukraine going on as well and we also have underlying all of this reverse I would call it reverse globalization, um, 
One of the reasons why we kept inflation so long, so low for so long was the fact that we had a globalization process in which we had these supply chains that went to countries that had low labor costs in Asia mainly. And uh, we're reversing all of that, bringing it back to the U.S., and that's going to keep wages high. That'll keep prices higher than they otherwise would have been. So that reverse globalization is going to be more pressure, particularly on the labor market and on wages. So uh, that'll be a that'll be a significant factor in the economy as well. And um, I don't think we should underestimate the um, friction between the U.S. and China. Um, world production increased greatly when the U.S. and China were were importing and exporting to each other. Um, you can throw Europe into that as well. Um, and now that's all being reversed. So uh, that'll be a difficult time for the uh, foreign trade side of things. Uh, it may be more difficult for China than it is for the U.S., which could be a surprise. You and I were talking earlier about another key factor that also plays into this in a very big way. Well, we have to talk about energy. Um Biden's energy policy is an unmitigated disaster. Uh, He started way too early to try to go into this global um, process of um, of doing fighting, actually declaring a war on fossil fuels, and uh, that's just a huge mistake. And that that fundamentally will keep inflation high as well. Yeah, that's that's a. I'm glad you touched upon that energy, which we have plenty of it here, and we could actually put the U.S. in a really strong position if we would open up uh, the energy capabilities of the United States. They haven't done that, and that's these lingering higher energy prices, and that drains in and hits. Actually, the poorest consumer, the hardest. Uh, That's the one head-scratcher here is, boy, we could really alleviate a lot of issues here and and then put us in a strategically better position. I mean, even the Strategic Petroleum Reserve has been tapped. So these are all all concerns. I mean, kind of pick up on that. Well, it's so true. And um, that's the one issue that is important, at least in my view, politically, Uh, the Biden policy is a disaster by fighting fossil fuel production um, in the way he has. And the Republicans want to bring us back to full bore uh, energy exploration and the emphasis on fossil fuels. So that would be a significant impact on the economy, particularly on inflation. You know, us, us gains listeners here, say we were one of your clients back in the day and uh, one of your Wall Street clients, what would you tell them? And and you've already kind of indicated where we're heading and how it's different than we've seen in the recent past. What would you tell us as, as one of your clients, say, back in the day about these current conditions and how to navigate through it and, and, and play it as, as an investor? Well, let's go back to the Fed, where I always feel secure. Um, uh, you know, we had zero in, 
interest rates for more than a decade, going back to the credit crisis and then coming through the pandemic, um, everybody was uh, betting on uh, the Fed going back to zero interest rates. And all I would say is in this world of back to industrial basics, um, it means that rates will be more like they used to be. Um, the, the Fed will be holding to this 5 to 6% area in its funds rate target, and rates will remain high longer. But if you look at it in terms of incomes and spending, um, the consumer will still be hanging in there and, um, and will have more inflation than we want but perhaps it will stay down from the peaks that we saw before. So all things considered, uh, this back-to-basics economy is not all bad. And again, if, if, you're, uh, if you're, you're not reaching for a ton of yield and you're not necessarily in the high flyers, investing, dollar-cost averaging into quality names, it sounds like big banks, quality energy names, quality manufacturing, um, big blue chip type U.S. companies might be a good play here for the next couple of years and you can get decent yields as well. That's exactly right. You summed it up better than I ever could. And uh, that's exactly the way I see it. We've covered a lot of ground and, and talked about, you know, the, the Fed and what they've done here and where we're going. But what's the final takeaway, David, for the gains listener as we wrap up today's podcast? Well, the market has been used to rates either going up a lot more than they thought or rates going down a lot more than they at least uh, were expecting. And and that world has come to an end. In fact, rates will stay high, but not too high. Uh, the yield curve will come back to a more normal upward sloping shape with long-term rates being pushed up by heavy treasury borrowing uh, will be on what we would have to say a wartime footing in terms of production of war materials. And um, wages will be high, but, um, but manageable, and consumers will be basically happy. What kind of time frame are we talking about? This is not a short-term thing. This is something you're seeing going on over the next couple of years. That's exactly right. That that time, it, that's exactly the time frame I would see it in. Uh, you know, not forever, but for at least the next couple of years. That's a perfect time frame for uh, analyzing this uh, new situation. Big thanks to David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver, author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. And hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Totally appreciate the solid there. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. And I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.